Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHer Con is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. Real estate investors are taught how to buy real estate over and over again, but they don't take taxes into consideration and don't realize that they can double their rates of returns just by making sure things are tax efficient. Best ever listeners, you ready to take your online advertising into the big leagues? Are you ready to get more leads? Well, how about we do all this for free? Yeah, sure, free. Well, it starts out with a free strategy session with Dan Barrett. You recognize his name, episode 565, titled Google AdWords and Cutting Edge Strategies. He's the only certified Google partner agency that works exclusively with real estate investors. That's why I'm talking about him. And he's managed over a million dollars of client spend and scored an 80th percentile for or higher for best practice. Basically, he knows his stuff. And he is offering a free strategy session for one hour to do a deep dive with you and learn about your market and collaboratively come up with an online advertising strategy based on your target audience. And he's offering to do this for the best ever listeners. Go to adwordsnerds.com forward slash Joe. I mentioned free. Well, the strategy session is free. And then you can either take the online advertising strategy that he comes up with on the call and go implement it yourself. There you go. It's free. Or you can have him and his agency do it for you. It's a turnkey solution. And by the way, that likely one that being free too, assuming that you're closing on the leads that he's generating for you as a result of all the efforts. Go to adwordsnerds.com forward slash Joe. He's got some amazing stuff. Ask him about the pre-targeting for direct mail lists that he does. It's something unique to their company and it's pretty exciting stuff. He's noticing some tremendous results as a result of doing pre-targeting. So ask him about that. AdWordsNerds.com forward slash Joe. Best ever listeners, welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any fluff. I hope you're having a best ever weekend because it is Sunday. We're going to do a special segment called Skill Set Sunday where we talk with a best ever guest. And today they're going to tell us about tax planning strategies for real estate investors. Yes, the number one expense we have, believe it or not, taxes. That's it. We got to pay attention to the expenses and the income going out the door as a result of taxes. And John Pollock is with us to talk to us about that. How are you doing, John? I hope I can be the best ever. 
I'm well, gonna bring the heat. <laughs> let's do it. I'm looking forward right. to it. And especially with this topic, real quick though, a little bit about John. He is the CEO of Financial Gravity and president of Pollock Advisory Group. He grew his business from his dining room table to 25 employees and 700% growth in one year. He's the author of The Nest Egg Cookbook, Your Recipe for a Comfortable Retirement. He's been featured in Forbes. He's based in Allen, Texas. With that being said, John, before we dive into it, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background for context? I'm just a guy that started a business and pivoted in that business because I ran into my own problems. And my biggest single problem in my business was the taxes. And I reached out to the people you probably reach out to, which is the CPAs. And I found out that they really don't know anything about taxes. In fact, they're not trained on it. There's not a single question on the CPA exam about taxes, which stunned me. So we built a business model to solve that specific problem because I thought, shoot, if everyone thinks the CPA industry solves a problem that they don't solve, if I solve the problem, I'll have a lot of clients. So mm. <laughs> that's kind of the approach I took. But I just started out as a wealth management financial guy, started out in corporate sales years ago, and just kind of evolved who I am as a human being. And now we're publicly traded, and we went public last year. How we did that without an IPO is a fascinating topic all on its own. But the idea is, is that every system can be hacked, every system can be made better, and that's what I do right now with the tax arena. I would have answered incorrectly to the question, CPAs are tested on tax questions during their CPA exam. I had no idea about that. Thank you for sharing that. It's a strange problem, too, because the A in CPA says what they do. They're accountants. But what exactly is an accountant? An accountant is a historian. They are a history taker of information, specifically numerical information. That's it. So that's what they do. They will record your information like nobody's business. They understand how to depreciate the house. They know how to do all that stuff, but they really don't know how to plan things better. So if you ask a CPA, typically CPAs are a lot like attorneys. They answer the question you ask. Can I buy a house inside of my IRA? The answer is yes. Use a self-directed IRA. Most of your listeners probably know that. But the question is, is should you? They won't answer that, and the answer is no, you shouldn't. You should not buy a house inside of an IRA. But the reason for it is not because the real estate's a bad investment, because the investment quality doesn't change whether I buy it inside of an IRA or outside of an IRA. So in other words, buying real estate and using that as an investment vehicle for my growth of wealth doesn't change. What does change is the net return. And the net return inside of an IRA goes down dramatically, like, so bad that if you liquidate the IRA, pay the current income taxes, then buy the house, you're better off. <laughs> Why is that? And nobody knows that. Well, because you get a double down. What's so great about real estate is this. So let's say I want to buy – I'll use easy math so I can do it in my head. I want to buy a $100,000 house. So I can probably buy it with 20% down. So now I'm controlling $100,000 with $20,000. But from an accounting standpoint, I get to depreciate the entire 100000 So now depreciating 100000 so I only really have twenty grand in. So I'm now depreciating against a number that I don't really have invested. So this is how leverage works, which you, I can imagine you spend a lot of time on. But if I have 20000 but get the deduction of 100000 but I'm getting the return on the investment on the full value, which is 100000 but I'm not invested at 100,000. I'm only invested at 20. So let's do easy math. Let's say I can get 
a thousand bucks a month on a hundred thousand dollar house, probably a little high, but let's just use the numbers. So now my hundred thousand dollar investment is earning 12% a year, but is it really earning 12% a year? No, it's actually earning more than that because it's not a hundred thousand dollar investment. It's a twenty thousand dollar investment. I'm controlling a hundred thousand. So I'm not getting 12%. I'm getting five times the 12%. And then when you depreciate the hundred thousand over a period of time, I can actually get even a higher rate of return. And then there's some parts of the tax code that allow me to accelerate appreciation. So once you get over about a half a million dollars in real estate, you should start to accelerate your appreciation. So don't use the 30, 40 year tables, you know, use the eight to 10 year tables. So all of that, everything I just explained cannot happen as I have an IRA. I cannot depreciate it. All the returns are not at capital gains rates. They're all 100% at regular income tax rate. So all I'm doing is creating a huge revenue stream that's taxed at the highest level of the entire tax code, which is regular income taxes. So you need to get your investments out of regular income taxes, especially if you're in it for the long haul. Because if you're in it for more than a year, then you're going to be taxed at capital gains rates versus regular income tax rates. And even at the lowest level, capital gains is 15, regular income tax is 25. So 10% better returns is better. So you got to manage for taxes, and most people don't. And this is a problem I've seen that reaches across all areas. Franchise companies teach their franchises how to make a hamburger the same way over and over again, but they don't help them run their business better. Real estate investors are taught how to buy real estate over and over again, but they don't take taxes into consideration and don't realize that they can double their rates of returns just by making sure things are tax efficient. And if you understand compounding interest, doubling your rates of returns that are tax-free is much better than double your rates of returns that isn't tax-free. And if you get big enough, you can self-insure, which is another tax shelter. So now you're self-insuring, which means all the insurance that you were paying is now going into your own insurance company, which is now an asset which you can borrow against to buy more real estate. All these little things that nobody knows about, and the CPA won't tell you. Let's talk about self-insuring. How does that work, and at what point does it make financial sense to do so? You said there's a certain threshold. I would say when you start to cross the $250,000 a year in insurance costs, and if you're getting close to that, like one fifty, then you still may want to make the move. The cost of the structure is usually about $35,000 a year to build this insurance structure. So you obviously, if you're not saving enough money, then you don't want to spend the money. But if you're close, it's still worth it because now instead of sending $250,000 a year to a bunch of insurance companies, I'm now sending it to John Pollock's insurance company. And if I don't have any claims, I get to keep the money, which is how your insurance company makes money. If you don't have any claims, they keep the money. Well, wouldn't that be better if you didn't have any claims that you kept the money? And the question I always get asked is, yeah, but if I self-insure, what happens if the house burns to the ground? I don't want to pay for the whole $200,000 house. I may not have saved enough in the insurance company yet. Well, first of all, insurance companies don't pay the $200,000 either when it burns to the ground. They have reinsurance. So they'll insure up to, say, $25,000, and then they hire a reinsurance company to cover the bigger cost. This is how health insurance works, by the way. And you can do this exact same thing with health insurance. So if your health insurance costs, and your property and casualty costs on your real estate are above a certain threshold, which 250 is usually the low end. But if you're getting close, you still may want to look at it. It makes sense to self-insure because now you got to keep all those dollars. And even if all the dollars went out every year, I mean, you're still in the same position. I paid 250 in, 250 went out. But if I pay to an insurance company, 250 goes in, 
250 may come out or 250 may not come out and I get to keep it. So all I have to do is have one good year and you get to keep all the money. And the tax code allows for this. It encourages it. You can insure for stuff that you can't insure for in a regular insurance company. What if my commercial building burns down and I happen to own the subway in it? Yeah, I get the commercial building replaced, but what about all the income from the subway while I'm waiting for the commercial building to be replaced? Most insurance doesn't cover for that. You could actually make your own insurance company cover for that. So the money goes in tax-free as tax-free premiums because premiums are a business expense. And then when you have a claim against your own company, which is loss of income, the money comes out tax-free. So it actually grows at capital gains rate. So the money goes in tax-free, grows at capital gains rate, and comes out tax-free. It's literally the best place from a pure tax strategy. The companies that help set this up, they'll wag their finger at me. John, this is not a tax strategy. This is an insurance strategy. Yeah, but the tax implications are staggering. So i got to mention it. But they feel like they'll get in trouble from the IRS if they mention that the tax strategy is being tied to it. But insurance premiums are 100% deductible. That's the law. But if the insurance premium is going into my insurance company, then that's even better because the money starts to stockpile. So it's one of those killer apps that if you need 250 a year to put in it, so there's not that many people that can do it, I suspect that a few of your investors are probably spending more money on insurance. Maybe spending the second biggest line item is taxes being number one. Number two is insurance. They can solve both problems with one product and one strategy. And then you can throw in your cars into that. You can throw into, if you've got enough houses and you've got employees that are going out and fixing the houses, you can insure that to that. Your health insurance, I already mentioned, if you have health insurance for your staff, you can put in that. I have a friend of mine that owns an outsourcing business that has a huge worker comp insurance costs. He's spending $150,000 a year for worker's comp. And I said, dude, you're right on the threshold. I think we should set this up now. Yeah, it's $35,000 a year, but right now you spend $150,000. And you don't have a claim, you're out 150. If you spend 150 thousand dollars and 35 thousand fees, you don't have a claim, you still end up with money. So we're working on him right now to set that up because he's probably two years out from being at the 250 threshold. But we can see the trajectory, and it's still better. And we didn't even talk about throwing his company's health insurance plan into this product. So it's one of those things. It's there, but most CPAs don't know about it. Hmm. So. Because they're not taught. The, the way we explain it to people, CPAs, there's four basically tax strategies. Shifting, which is moving from one entity to another. So shifting out of an IRA into non-qualified money is a taxable event, but I can make the case that in the long run you're better off. Number two is timing. If I pay you on December 31st, you got to recognize that revenue, but I get to recognize the expense. If I just waited a day, then I wouldn't be able to recognize the expense and you would have to recognize the revenue in another day. So that's a timing strategy. 401Ks and IRAs are timing. They're saying, let's put the taxes off till later. Then there's code, which is just pure code. For instance, there's a real estate strategy. If you run your business out of your house, which most real estate investors do, I assume that you're probably doing this podcast out of your house. Well, that means you're doing business out of your house. So are you writing the house off? Are you writing your pool off? Are you writing your yard guy off? Did you know you can rent your house to yourself 14 days a year, tax-free, 14 days. You can rent yourself. Why 14? I don't know. It's in the code. I don't care where it came from. It's 14. It's not 15. It's 14. So we rent our house for ourselves 14 days a year. We've got to do paperwork. It's the IRS, but the paperwork is remarkably easy. So we'll do the paperwork for you, and then you add $1,000 in expenses to your business. So it's 14,000 expenses. So you write $1,000 out of your business to yourself. 
You do not have to recognize the revenue to yourself. So it's $14,000 I pulled out of your business tax-free that went to yourself tax-free. Well, if you're in 25% tax bracket, that's four grand ish So that's another thing. And real estate with the depreciation schedule, the ability to accelerate depreciation, all those things are built in. Real estate is one of the best areas from a tax planning standpoint. It's almost magical. And this is one of the things that has made Trump very wealthy is he's played the real estate game very, very well, but he's played the whole game. He didn't just play part of the game. And part of the game is leverage, buying the right properties, upselling it. Trump Tower is really not in a great location, but they marketed the heck out of it. and They built a brand around it. So now it's very popular. But it's not in the best location. So location, location, location is not always right. Sometimes you can make the location the best location by marketing it as a better location. So keep that in mind in real estate. But with that said, he knows how to play the tax game. When one of his projects lost a billion dollars, he took that as a write-off, which means the next billion dollars in income was tax-free, which he got criticized for, which is nuts, because no one wants to lose money for a tax write-off. That's not good planning. But since he did, he was able to use that against his future revenue. So you can actually take a little bit more risk in real estate, knowing that if one out of 10 sucks, at least that one that sucks is going to help you write down the other nine that didn't. So that's why real estate investing is one of the most powerful forms of investing in the marketplace, because you can create cash flow. You get to write off more than you're actually spending. You get to make money on more than your actual amount of money that you have invested. And all that compounds very aggressively. None of that happens inside of an IRA. You said there are four tax strategies. I want to make sure I wrote them down correctly. Shifting, timing, code, and what was the fourth? Was it depreciation schedule or is there a different? It's product. Thing? Product. Okay. It's pure I, product. Sorry, I, I got that one. So the reason we use product is that like a Roth IRA – if the government decides that only rich people have Roth IRAs, it's part of the tax code. That's a code strategy. So they can change the code and say, okay, from now on, money coming out of Roth IRA is taxed. So all of a sudden, with the stroke of a pen. But life insurance, if I have a million-dollar life insurance policy and I die and that goes to my spouse tax-free, let's say they decide, hey, I want to eliminate life insurance. I think since John's spouse got that a million dollars tax-free, she didn't earn it, we should tax it. Well, what's going to happen? The life insurance industry will go, hey, guys, do you have any idea the size of checks we're writing to you? No, you're not going to do that. So sometimes products have a little bit more gravitas and protection than pure code, like a Roth IRA. So we included Roth IRAs, which, by the way, you can buy real estate using cash value life insurance policy. There's whole strategies around that that are very impressive. Talking about doubling down, you build an asset, you borrow from that asset to buy another asset which you're borrowing and leveraging up, and then you're paying that money back into an asset that grows tax-free and comes out tax-free. But yet you still get the depreciation outside the asset. So that's another strategy around real estate. It's life insurance. So it's almost impossible to explain the complexity of it in an interview. You kind of have to draw it on a whiteboard. But when people see it, they're like, I want to do that. How do I do that? So you're saying that when I die, all my money goes to my heirs tax-free. While I'm alive, I can borrow money from it tax-free. I can use the borrowed money to grow something that has a depreciation schedule and has the ability to grow. Yes, you can do all this inside this wrapper that is called life insurance. And if you get big enough, you can build your own life insurance companies. And that's a separate strategy from the strategy I already mentioned. So there's like these recipes where you're mixing three or four tax strategies. So look at real estate as the steak. You can make steak a lot of different ways in a lot of different flavors. Some are better than others. Steak by itself is great, 
but in a fajita, it could be better. But the idea is, is that you have this raw material. In your case, most of your listeners are real estate investors. So the raw material is the real estate investor. But there's these satellites that surround the real estate investing community that real estate investors aren't talking about. It's ironic that I do public speaking and I can't get into a real estate conference. And I will do more for that real estate conference than any of the other people there that are teaching you how to hire a pool guy. It's strange, but since my topic isn't real estate investing, it's tax planning. They're like, well, we don't want you in our real estate investor meeting when I can double everybody's returns in the meeting just by eliminating the taxes. But that's the problem that I'm working through. That's why I do shows like this. I'm kind of an evangelist to get out there and say, everything that you're doing, we can do it better. So every right, dollar you're making, you may be making 75 cents when you can make a whole dollar. Let me ask you a couple of questions because we don't have a lot of time and I'm enjoying this thoroughly, but I got to get in some questions. Number one, which of these strategies do you personally invest your own money in? The insurance one is one that we do as a company and we have a ton of clients in it. It's a tax strategy. It's not really an investment because I'm doing the same thing differently. Everybody that's listening has insurance premiums. So what if the insurance premiums went to you instead of insurance company? So you created your own insurance company, and you were spending over $250,000 a year in insurance? Yeah, we're a big company. We're publicly okay. traded. Got 30 offices. I got, I don't know how many employees. Got it. employees. Got it. Yeah, so how does I'm that work? I'm bigger than you knew. <laughs> how does that work? Because I was just doing some rough math, and I'm probably spending $360,000 a year on insurance across my properties. How do I go about creating my own insurance company? You call Financial Gravity and we help you do it. That's what we do. <laughs> it's our business, so this is what we do. So we will help you set it up and that's what we do because we want to set it up right. So there's lots of companies out there that do the strategy, but they do it wrong. In fact, the strategy is on the dirty dozen of the IRS list. So the IRS hates it. They target it because everyone does it wrong. They put them offshore because the capitalization requirements are lower offshore. It's like $5,000 and you can set up a company Whereas in the United States, it's $50,000. So they're like, my attitude is for $45,000, I'd rather my insurance company be in North Carolina than Turks and Caicos. It just looks better. <laughs> so for $45,000, that is a small price to pay. I'd rather have it in North Carolina. Actually, what's interesting is there's some competition among the states as to these type of products. And a lot of states are starting to prop up in their insurance departments. So you're going to see more and more states that are going to want this. North Carolina is the best right now, but Tennessee is getting very good at it. So we've got a couple in Tennessee now, but North Carolina is right now the best. Their state's the most friendly towards it, and their costs are the lowest. And then we've worked with the insurance commissioner there to make sure that our investing guidelines are met. So one of the challenges with insurance is you can't take all the money that goes in there and invest into real estate. Because as an insurance company, you have to be liquid enough to pay a claim. And if you have to sell a house to pay a claim, that's bad. So 50% of all the money that goes into that has to be in something that's liquid. So we've developed kind of portfolios that meet the insurance commissioner's requirements but still get a little bit more growth than, say, a CD would. So we've tried to design it, and then the rest of it, it's fair game. But from a banking standpoint, the whole thing is an asset. So if you have a million dollars, but you can't spend it because you need to have available for mm -hmm. claims, but you show this on your balance sheet, banks will just love that kind of stuff. Banks love assets that look like assets, whether you can use them or not. They think an oven in a restaurant's an asset. It's really not because you're not going to sell it to get to the cash. But 
that's not how banks work. This is another game that a lot of people don't play very well is they've got to design what they're doing around the rules of some other entity that can help them. Well, banks, one of their rules is they love assets. So what if you can build a big-ass asset that's just a big pile of cash that's yours? And then you can sell all the properties and all the cash in the insurance company is still yours, and then you close down the insurance company and you keep the cash. It's pretty powerful. Our model uses what's called a tax blueprint. So we actually going to look at your entire tax situation first and then determine whether or not adding this makes more sense now or doing some other things. If I can save you $100,000 a year in taxes, we may shelve the insurance strategy while we focus on getting the $100,000 saved. Then we can move to the insurance strategy. But we always go where the tax code leads. We don't go where the products lead. Products are sexy, so that actually gets people excited. But we kind of have to back people away from the products. Look, we're not going to sell you this product. We're going to do a blueprint. If the blueprint says the product is a fit, we'll add it. But let's focus on tax strategy first, product second. For the best ever listeners who want to get in touch with you, what is the next step and how do they get in touch with you? Several ways. You can go to financialgravity.com, which is our corporate website. We have lowertaxhigherprofit.com, which is a free video series on some of the stuff that we talked about. There's also a book on the 10 biggest mistakes small business owners make, ironically, Real estate investors are all small business owners. They don't see themselves that way. But you can use all the small business tax strategies that are available to you. So the 10 biggest mistakes that you make is in an e-book. So you text the word tax book to 33444 and you'll get a link and you just put in your email address and you'll get a copy of the e-book too. So lots of ways to get to us, lots of information out there that's free. So take advantage of it. I've enjoyed listening to you and talking to you a bit about this. And I took a lot of notes, that's for sure. The self and creating your own insurance company is something I hadn't come across that's really interesting. And then using that to build a balance sheet to then go impress banks, that's really interesting, especially for people who are raising money and bringing on sponsors for their deals. Perhaps as they get about medium size, they can use this strategy to not have sponsors and then sign on their own loans because they have a balance sheet. Also, the life insurance example, I've heard a little bit about this from different people, and that's certainly something I'm personally looking into. And lastly, the self-directed IRA. We've had Tom Wheelwright on the show. I know you've had him on your podcast too. He talked about that also. So thank you. By the way, his book... Tax-Free Wealth, without question, the best book on taxes ever written, bar none, and I've read them all. Great endorsement. I learned a lot from that one also and highly recommend it. So, John, thank you for being on the show. Fascinating conversation. Took a lot out of it. That's for sure. I know Best Ever listeners did it as well. Hope you have a best ever weekend, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Got your free strategy session to generate online leads yet? Well, if not, go to adwordsnerds.com forward slash Joe. Dan Barrett's going to give you a concrete online advertising strategy by the end of the conversation. You can choose to implement it yourself or you can work with this team and they'll implement it for you. Adwordsnerds.com forward slash Joe. Finally, your funding problem is 100% solved at CIX.com. At CIX.com, private lenders compete to fund deals. CIX facilitates over half a billion in loans for real estate investors weekly. Get funded and download your free funding kit at CIX.com.